and we're running out of time. It dawned on me today as I was saying, lesson eight, we're running out of time. And um, I promised you that I would talk about <clears throat> the two witnesses uh, for sure, so I want to I be faithful to what I said last week, but I, I need to start moving into this next time period called the millennial reign and deal with a couple of other things that are going on as well. But last time, as you'll recall, we began to talk about this second three-and-a-half-year time period that's been called in the Scripture the Great Tribulation. Tribulation being seven years total, but half of that seven-year time period, three-and-a-half years, is called Great Tribulation. Jesus says it will be of such proportion that has, that has never been known. I want to go through just quickly. The Antichrist stands up in the temple. He declares himself to be God. He breaks the peace treaty that he had established with Israel three and a half years earlier. And there's, there's great wrath from the, from the Antichrist that begins to be implemented in the earth. During this same time period, we also see at some point uh, the seven vials. As you'll recall, there were seven seals and seven trumpets. And then we come to seven vials. Now, there are people that believe those vials are being loosed all through those three and a half years. That may well be. I'm sort of of the opinion that because of the, the greatness and the calamity and the overwhelming nature of, of those vials, that, that I think they may be more compressed toward the end of that seven-year time period. And so um, you may disagree, and I'm not going to be here to find out. I'm going to get me a seat up in the nosebleed section so I can, uh, can watch it all from there. But there will be two witnesses that will arise. And people, again, put these guys at different places and at different times in this seven-year time period. Um, I'm of the opinion that, that they may have been revealed before this time, but they certainly are revealed at this time because they are the two that will bear witness as well as the 144,000. They will bear witness to the things of God and that they will directly challenge and confront the Antichrist. In fact, they will confront him to such proportion that it will irritate him and eventually uh, he will assassinate them. But there's been great discussion as to who these two witnesses are. I mentioned last time that there are four names thrown around and I still can't pull out that fourth name. So I'll just give you the two that I believe it is and I'll tell you why I believe it's, it's these two people. In the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 11, there's an interesting uh, account here concerning these two witnesses it says in revelation 11 beginning with verse 3 and i will give power to my two witnesses and they will prophesy 1260 days clothed in sackcloth these are the two olive trees which uh, tells me they'll be jewish these are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the god of the earth and if anyone wants to harm them fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies and if anyone wants to harm them he must be killed in this manner now again when you go through the revelation some of the hard part is is understanding what john is saying literal uh, figurative it could be literal fire that comes out of their mouth this will be an incredibly supernatural time period that will take place i have no problem envisioning that i also thought to myself that we all know that God's word contains power, right? In fact, the, the Hebrew word for word, many people don't know this, the Hebrew word for word actually, actually has the, the, the imagery of lightning with it. And, and so as I began to just ponder it, I thought to myself that, that they would have such prophetic power and utterance that whatever comes out of their mouth, we will see the instantaneous power of their word come to pass 
as they speak it and it, and it comes to pass. And the Bible says that they are untouchable um, until they finish their testimony. But in verse 6, it tells a little bit here about who they may be. It says, these have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. Now, who are those two people? When you think about that, does it sound to you? Elijah, because Elijah had the ability, right, to declare a drought. And he closed up the heavens, and so it did not rain. And then Moses, of course, was used by God in order to bring the plagues and the judgments to Egypt uh, when he was on the earth. And so it says, when they finish their testimony, the beast, verse 7, that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city. Now, what will probably happen is somewhere in Jerusalem, there'll be this particular showdown when they will be assassinated, whether it's by the Antichrist himself or by his cohorts. We can only guess. But, but at this point, once they finish their testimony, God somehow allows them to be killed in much the same way he allowed his son to be killed. And so they're killed. Everybody gets to see it. And they're actually, it says in verse 9, then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days. They will literally, the world will celebrate their assassination. And you know, for years this couldn't take place, but now we have all the cable news networks, right? 24-7 news. And they're going to have news cameras on these two witnesses for three and a half days. Now, this is what's interesting to me. When the Antichrist, it, it says that he suffered a mortal wound. Of course, the Bible says, as if, it uses the term as if it were a mortal wound. But these guys, we know are dead as dead can be. They're dead as a doornail. There's three and a half days of dead. I mean, people see their lifeless bodies. They're not moving. And they're literally going to have a celebration in the streets with the death of these two witnesses that had challenged the Antichrist. In fact, it says in verse 10, And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another. Because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. You know, a prophet's job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And, and, and literally, they, were, they tormented the earth with the truth. But it says, after three and a half days, the breath of life from God enters them, and they stood on their feet. And great fear fell on those who saw them, I'll bet. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies saw them. And so there will be, after they're resurrected, there will be a rapture of these two witnesses that will take place and, and, and take them into the, into the heavenly realm. And so uh, these guys are going to have a real interesting, interesting ministry. And again, this is a... A three and a half year time period. Um, in seven years, I just, you know, I'm getting old enough now that as the years go by, it seems like it goes quickly. How many weeks are we till Christmas? It's, it, it doesn't seem possible. I thought we just put away all the Christmas decorations. This will go incredibly swiftly. And incredible difficulty that will happen.
And we're coming down to the end where the, the wrath of God is being poured out. We mentioned last week the vials and all that will be taking place on the earth that will happen. And then we come to this pivotal moment. Now let me just say a couple of things here when we come to the pivotal moment. I've done my best to draw a little. Don't you like my throne here too, by the way? Um, Jesus comes and he begins to intervene. Now let's pick it up here and uh, let's go to our notes. Matthew 24, 27. I'm not going to read all of this. You can, you can read and study it later. Lots of good stuff that you can pick up to study. Matthew 24, 27, it says this, For as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming. Now this is important. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then real quick, jump over to the book of Acts. And then we'll get to our notes here. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 9. Acts 1 verse 9, it says, Now when he, meaning Jesus, had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they, and we're speaking of the disciples at this point, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee... Why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now let's go to our notes. It's fascinating to consider that as much as is written and described about those seven years of the tribulation, there's relatively little given to us about a thousand years of the millennial time period. I always thought that was interesting. Seven years gets like 12 chapters, 13 chapters. But the millennium barely gets a chapter. You know, seven years gets a dozen chapters and a thousand years barely gets one chapter. It's interesting. It says that there are 318 New Testament predictions about the second coming of Jesus, which will begin the millennial time period. Amazingly, it has become so well known in the American psyche that a recent Gallup poll states that 66% of the American people, now listen to me, we're not talking about Christians. I went and ran this one down. We're not talking about believers, Christians, we're not defining those in the church. We're talking about 66% of Americans believe in a physical return of Jesus Christ sometime in the future. Now you say, well, why wouldn't that get them focused? Well, it's because all they, that, that's all they know. They don't know the rest of the story. But they believe that Jesus will come again. They know enough and have heard enough to know that, that they really believe he will come again. So let's talk about that. As we have studied previously, the earth is under incredible upheaval by the opening of these vials or bowls of judgment. The Antichrist and the false prophet have seized Babylon. Babylon in the book of the Revelation basically represents false religion and the false marketplace. And so now he has destroyed uh, Babylon and he now demands that every aspect of society recognize himself, the beast, as God. 
Undoubtedly, there is chaos in the earth. The Bible says that nations rise against nations, along with the world still vehemently opposing Israel and its existence. And so the armies of the world begin to gather. I know there are some people that point to this as the Gog and the Magog of Russia intervening. And, I, you know, it, again, it may be, but again, it may not be. Because there are several wars that are taking place in the tribulation time period. All we know is that the armies of the world gathered together in the Middle East at a place called the Valley of Megiddo, which is what will be known as Armageddon. And as they're gathering there to battle, and of course some folks have already shared with me that you know, there are great oil deposits now they're finding in Israel. Can you imagine what would happen if they were to find oil reserves in Israel greater than all of the Arab well, it would be a hallelujah, but can you imagine how all of a sudden that would become a focal point to seize? If Israel could suddenly control the oil market, and these Arab nations who now live so lavishly would all of a sudden be constricted to have to do what's right, I mean, it's not beyond the realm of possibility to understand why they gather in the valley of Megiddo. But it's while they are there, that they see, the armies of the world see a rider on a white horse. That's Christ. And they, all of a sudden, if they're fighting each other, which is really interesting, that, that you know, demons, you've you got to remember, there's not only the Antichrist and the armies of the world, but there have been demon hordes that have been loosed as well. This battle is not just an earthly Armageddon that may entail nuclear weapons. We're talking that this is the all-time spiritual battle, spiritual warfare, Literally, demons are being released at the same time in this particular battle. And they see this rider on a white horse. And they turn their feeble weapons against him. And they decide that they're all going to join in order to attack whom we know to be Christ. So Jesus, at this moment, intervenes directly. Literally, at this point, the rapture that happened in, you know, back seven years earlier, he didn't come and touch the earth. Jesus literally comes with his saints that are in heaven. He comes and he literally touches the earth. And that's why we call this the second coming. We know that it will be public, it will be obvious, and it will not be restricted to a little group. The scripture tells us that every nation and the tribes of the earth will see. In fact, his coming will signify the end to this tribulation time period. The Bible says that there will be mourning on the part of all the tribes of the earth. The Jews, I suspect, will be sad as they see that he is the Christ and they have rejected him for so long. And the ungodly will perhaps mourn as they despair as they're defeated in battle. Jesus' feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives and the scripture tells us that it will split in two. In fact, um, just in my research and all of this, there's a fault line. There's a great fault line that goes underneath the Mount of Olives. And so his coming would, whether it'll jar it or, or the earth just responds to it, we don't know. But literally, it will split in two as Christ touches the Mount of Olives. It is there that he will defeat the world's armies in a moment. This isn't going to be a long battle. You know, you've heard people talk about Armageddon and all the things that the world and the imagery it puts out there about Armageddon. Armageddon isn't going to last long. Instantly, Jesus defeats the world's armies. He defeats those who would attempt to annihilate the holy city Jerusalem. 
The reason he has to intervene at that moment is because he will rule from there. The birds of the air, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, and the beasts of the field will begin to feast on the corpses that are slain. No one who tries to resist Christ will remain alive. And it will be at this point when he comes that he will cast the Antichrist and the false prophet, as you see, into the lake of fire. <laughs> now we're going to come back to Gehenna. Next week we're going we're to talk about Gehenna. We need to spend some time on Gehenna. But they will be cast into the lake of fire where the scripture says that they will be tormented day and night forever. However, at this point, Satan is not dealt with in that fashion. The Bible says that he will be bound for a literal 1,000 years in a pit. It is also, again, you, can, you, you might be able to shift this around if you want, but it is my opinion because y'all remember what was going on in heaven. There were people during the tribulation that had become believers, remember? And that many of them during the tribulation time period, I mean, they may, if they were early in the tribulation time period, they may have got snatched away by the, the taking away or the rapture of the great multitude, but there's still going to be people giving their hearts to, to Jesus during this time period, and they're going to have to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. And, and the book of the Revelation shows us that there are tribulation martyrs that are under the altar. And I've had people ask me through the years, they say, well, how does all this work with the tribulation martyrs? Well, you know, the Bible tells us that to be absent in body is to be present with the Lord, right? And, and so even these who have died during the tribulation time period have opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord, but they've not yet received their glorified bodies yet. Those who were raptured out of here earlier have received glorified bodies, but the tribulation martyrs have not. And you remember why? Because God said he had a number in mind. He said, uh, they, they were crying out, how long, O Lord, holy and true? And he said, wait yet for a little while until your number be complete. And so as that number is complete, these tribulation martyrs have been, have been waiting under the altar. And it is my opinion that when their resurrection takes place, their resurrection happens right here. And the tribulation martyrs are resurrected. And it's at that point, they received their glorified bodies as well at that moment because the bible says that that uh at that point of course when we see him we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is and and you know however that mystery works they'll be given their resurrection bodies as well and so jesus has come those of us that have been with him uh i believe perhaps even been prepared we ask sometimes people ask what are you doing up there in heaven you know are you just sitting around waiting until you come up to the bema seat or just sitting around the table or what are you doing well, you know, it could well be that your assignments are being given for how you'll rule in this thousand-year time period. Have you ever thought about that? We're going to come and rule in this thousand-year time period with him. He will rule as the king in Jerusalem, but he's king of kings. And, and we will rule, literally rule with him on the earth. There may be, hey, the mayor of Chicago may be in here right now. Chicago could use a new mayor. I could, I could recommend some changes in all kinds of cities and states. And they shall be changed. Because this period will be an unusual period of time. So let's talk about that. Can you imagine what the world would look like 
without the deceiver around to whisper in your ear? What would life be like if the tempter were not able to throw sin before our eyes to lure us? How much would life improve if his accusations and lies were gone? That's a part of what the millennial time period will be. Now listen to me very carefully. While this time is idyllic and it will be amazing, I would not yet describe it as utopic. A lot of people think the millennial time period will be almost like heaven, and that's not quite true. Man has never known and cannot conceive of what life would be like without satanic interference. So this time period, Satan's gone. Hoorah. He's bound in a pit. But just because he's gone doesn't mean our carnal hearts. Now, I'm not talking about those who are ruling and reigning. But I am talking about those who come through this time period. And I believe, this is what I believe, I believe coming through this time period will certainly be uh, those who were not killed in this great war. There will be those who, who maybe didn't join up or maybe they were ambivalent. I believe they'll come through this time. I mean, there will be a significant number of people that will yet come through this time period. I don't know that it couldn't be possible that people didn't give their heart to the Lord and, and come through that time period into the millennial time period. But that doesn't mean they get to rule and reign. I don't know that that's beyond the realm of possibility. So despite the fact that this will be an idyllic time, you have to understand that there will be people on the earth, the earth will still be populated, and just because Satan isn't around doesn't mean you get rid of your carnal heart. And if you don't understand that, then you can't understand how when Satan is loosed at the end of the 1,000 years, how can he begin to deceive people again and, and gather them unto himself for his last gasp effort? Well, it's because the heart is still desperately wicked above all things. Now, we're, we're going to talk about how that may work here in just a moment. But understand, this is not utopia. This is not heaven yet. It, it is a wonderful, amazing, idyllic time period. But it's, it's, it's going to have some interesting features. It says here, I wrote down here, that man will be confronted by his own evil heart because Satan will have no trouble gathering multitudes when he is loosed at the end. Rather than destroy everyone still on the earth, God will continue to offer salvation to people in the millennium. He will give them every opportunity, and yet some will still reject. Now, let me go through this and show you why I think some of these things. In Revelation chapter 20, and if you want to follow through, again, I have to move swiftly, but as we go through Re Revelation chapter 20, there are some interesting things that I just want to point out to you. It says to us here that the righteous return with Jesus to administer his earthly rule for a thousand years. That's what it says in verse 4. It says, I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And so those that have been raptured away will have the ability to exercise some form of judgment. I already mentioned that uh, perhaps millennial assignments are given out even at the Bema seat. You know, if you'll look at the old, uh, what was the parable of the minas, remember when they handled their minas well, they were given what? Authority over cities, the scripture says. And so it could be that that's where we receive our assignments. The government will be a theocracy. Theocracy... Uh, and this is a good place to write this one down. Well, the theocracy isn't there. The theocracy is here. Theocracy equals God rules. It's not 
everybody gets weirded out by the word theocracy, even today. What, what we don't believe in is an ecclesiocracy. I don't believe the church should rule. Now, I'm not talking about this time, I'm talking about now. But I do believe in theocracy. Yes, I do. God rules. God rules over government. My government is not greater than my God. Come take me away to jail. I ought not say that. No, I'm not. I'm a free man. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't want to put that word out there. All right. But during this time, there'll be changes in the animal kingdom. The Bible says that believers will exercise dominion over animals. So as a believer, there's going to be a dominion that you're going to begin to exercise in this millennial time period. This is also interesting. Human life will be prolonged. And what I'm talking about is not those who are ruling. Now, we have our glorified bodies, and, and we live forever. Amen? But those who have moved into this time period are going to have a prolonged lifespan. Now, I'm going to tell you why I believe that to be so. In Isaiah 65, there's an interesting passage here that I think refers to the millennium. Isaiah 65, verse 20. Here's what it says, no more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years old, but the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. Now let me just toss this out and you can chew on it and we'll all find out one day whether it's right or not. I personally think that pre-flood aging will be restored to believers who are in this time period. Now I'm just going to throw this out to you. If you now... Hear me now, don't roll the dice thinking you're going to just navigate this. That's highly unlikely. But for those that come through, I believe, this is what I believe. I believe literally the pre-flood aging will be restored to human beings. In fact, I believe it's possible that believers may live throughout the whole millennial time period. In other words, there may be people who literally live to be a thousand years old. How many of you know who the oldest man in the Bible was? Do you know how old he was? 969? Yeah, that's almost a thousand years, isn't it? So I'm just suggesting that's a possibility. Now, those who are still rejecting the Lord, I believe will be given a hundred years to repent and accept Christ or die at that age. That's what I believe Isaiah 65 and 20 was beginning to teach. Remember now, people are still human beings. They're still going to procreate during this time period. In fact, the, the earth will be populated incredibly during this time period. And, and I believe that as people begin to consider once again whether or not they will accept Christ's rulership, you know, you can, right now God rules. We believe that, right? I mean, whether or not people accept it, we believe he rules. It's no different really in this time period. God rules and we will rule with him and there will be an ability to implement that rulership in the earth but that doesn't mean that everybody personally receives his rulership. And so you can still have people who can potentially fake it, who will navigate it, who will still because of their own selfish, sinful heart decide they don't want to accept Christ. And I honestly believe that there will be people who will still not yield to God's rulership, and I believe they will die at 100 years of age because, because there will be no ability at that point to receive the benefits or the blessings 
of, of his rule and the longevity that that may bring. But I do believe there'll be many, many people who will receive his rulership and his lordship. And it may well be that there will be more people in heaven than hell when we consider the population growth of those 1,000 years. The Bible says that there'll be a sevenfold increase in light. Now, I don't know if that means no night. I'm not exactly sure how that'll work. But apparently, it'll be a whole lot brighter. It'll be an unprecedented time of peace and prosperity. Instruments of war will rust away because there'll be no need for it anymore. Political, uh, I think that was supposed to be graft, not craft. (laughs) We may be doing crafts, but I think that was graft. And corruption will be done away with. And And the treasuries of the world will be replenished. Many nations, the scripture tells us, will be saved during the millennium. Whole nations uh, will recognize his rulership. However, even those who are not saved will still recognize and worship Jesus. There will be no rebellion tolerated during this time period. I've had people say, well, what do you mean they're still going to worship the Lord? Hey, folks, there are people that come to church today that still come to the house and they say they're worshiping God, but they ain't saved. Amen? Why is that so hard to believe that it couldn't happen during that millennial time period? Uh, Tyler and I had an interesting conversation. We were eating lunch today, and we were talking about that, and he was just asking me questions. And he said, Dad, are you meaning to tell me after, after, they've, seen, after they've seen him come, and they've seen all that took place, and the resurrection, and, and, and all of a sudden these people in glorified bodies are going to be ruling over cities and states and nations. You mean to tell me some are still going to be so hard-headed as to not open up their heart and ask Jesus to personally come in? And my answer is, yep. It, doesn't that boggle the mind? <laughs> but people don't receive him now. And, and, and Paul said in Romans chapter 1, evidence is all around them. I mean, right now, people so want to alienate God that they're more willing to believe that some dust particle came out of the universe somewhere, sometime, hit some goose pond in the earth that was at the right temperature, that spun things into a certain order, that an amoeba came out of that, that morphed into a tadpole, that became a frog, that went to a monkey, that lost his tail, that dropped his hair, that stood up straight, that got morals, and called himself man. It's not so hard for me to believe that they could look Jesus in the eye in Jerusalem and say no thank you. thousand years we started talking about it you know I, I suspect there'll be a group of people in this in this early time period because they will have seen it all with their eyes that probably there'll be mass conversion again but you know what's interesting there's going to be people who are having babies and they're going to grow up and they won't have seen this isn't that true come on all of us have children that didn't see some things we saw that shook us to our very core we invite them to 
and they bring them to church, and it doesn't, the things of God don't mean the same to them like they do to us. Why is that? Because, because you see, they just hear the stories. And they're born here, and they just hear the stories. And they just hear the stories. Yeah. Yeah, Mom, yeah, Dad, sure. Sure. And people walk away. And at the end of this time period, this 1,000 years, Scripture tells us that Satan is loosed from this pit. And the Bible says that he quickly goes out and scatters and begins to draw in and deceive those folks. As astonishing as it seems, that there will be unredeemed humanity who will choose to rebel against the righteous rule they've been experiencing. As I mentioned, they may be going through the motions, concealing their real heart and spiritual condition. And I just wrote down here, if I'm right about the aging process, everyone in this army will be under 100 years old. Sure they will. Now, the question is, why would Satan be released at all? It's because our God is a just God who forces no one to choose him. Satan, perhaps only for a few weeks, we don't know how long this is, maybe days, maybe weeks, I don't know. But he's released to tempt people during the reign of Christ. And they are given the opportunity, as we all are, to overcome him and choose the Lord. Were Satan not loosed to tempt people, all those who had previously yielded to him, now think about through all through the years, wouldn't, wouldn't it be just unfair to say, well, those guys, those guys didn't face Satan like I had to face Satan. See, they got off easy. And... and God is basically saying, you know what? Everybody's going to stand before me and it will be a just judgment. He will not be an unjust God. And certain things begin to take place as Satan is released. He goes about the earth to deceive as many nations and people as possible to lead them against the camp of the saints in Jerusalem. And then the Bible just says that God sends fire from heaven to end this strange battle, moving so swiftly that it is as if the battle never actually occurs. And then it is this particular moment at the end of the millennium that we were told he takes Satan and he throws him, along with the Antichrist and the false prophet, throws him as well into the lake of fire. And then it is that, at that moment that we enter into this great white throne judgment. And I want to spend, spend a lesson on that because I want to I talk about that judgment and I want to talk about the lake of fire because you know what we we don't do that in church anymore I started to think about that when was the last time you heard a good teaching on hell you just don't hear about hell anymore hell's fall fallen on tough times <laughs> but it's because hell isn't marketable is it it's hard to market hell real well yeah, come to our church. Pastor's talking about hell today. Oh, your friends would cram into your car to hear that one, wouldn't they? Well, we'll see. Maybe I'll cut the attendance on Wednesday in half with that. I don't know. But I'm telling you, it's there. And, we, and, and, and it's important that we understand it. And we know we're not in camp meeting. I'm, I'm going to try not to holler, I, all right? But, but this is serious business. But at the same time, then I want, to talk, I, want to talk about, I want to talk about the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. I'm going to talk about that in the last lesson. So we've got two more, and then I'm going to stop at ten. But next week I'm going to talk about, I'm going to talk about Gehenna 
And the last lesson, I'm going to get to talk about the new heavens and the new earth. And I, and I tell you what, there's no better way to end than on that note. And if you're giving me a choice between A or B, I'm taking A. Smart guy, dumb guy. Don't be a dumb guy. Amen. All right, that's our time. Um, maybe I can field just a couple quick questions, and then we'll <laughs> and then we'll try to shut it down. Yes. Yeah, they'll come back and they'll actually have human bodies. Yeah, because uh, they'll be killed. I mean, they will look to be human. Well, it says the Bible says they're in sackcloth. So it's it's interesting as to you know if it will be literally sackcloth. It may well be, and that will make will make them all the more an enigma and weird, but powerful. Yeah, let me take Miss Merle. Oh yeah, everybody, all the tribes of the earth. Hey, I'll guarantee you, it just as CNN and MSNBC and Fox and whatever news stations are around at that time will be picking up the Antichrist and his declaration and seeing the assassination and the resurrection, I will guarantee you on every camera, they will see it happen. It says all the nations of the earth, every tribe, every tongue will see this happen. I suspect it could be of such magnitude that, that, that the sheer glory of it. In fact, the Bible says, as surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. So it, just by the sheer glory of it, the whole earth will know something has unusually taken place. Did I see one here before I go back this? Well, the Bema Seat, if you would just remember the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema Seat is, is the judgment we will go to as believers when we, are, when we are taken out of here. There will, but that judgment is not a judgment for heaven or hell. That's a judgment for rewards. And, and, and there will be some who will present what they've done for the Lord. And it will be wood, hay, stubble. And it will be, it will be burned up and of no value. And others will have uh, presented precious things. And again, I don't know during that time period I mentioned. I, our assignments may be given for, for rulership at a later time. Yes. Well, there, yeah, well, there has already been a resurrection that took place seven years earlier at the rapture. If they were believers, they will be, it's, it's, when he comes to rapture his church in 1 Thessalonians 4, 18, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who are alive and remain will be caught up in the air with them. So the, the righteous dead will be pulled up seven years earlier down here. Now, if they're unrighteous dead, they're being held in Sheol. Or Hades. Now, I mean, there, I'm, I'm, there's, this is not good. <laughs> so, so that's, that's, that's where that resurrection. These folks will be resurrected here. The resurrection. And I know that, that seems like an abrupt term, but, but it is. The resurrection of the wicked, dead, or the unsaved. If, I mean, if we want to put it that way. And that happens at this point. Yes, ma'am. Okay, now, um, does the term begin in Christ, though, the last one that, uh, that's the last one, but we're already in Christ, so isn't that just our bodies changing? Yeah. So when our spirit is glorified, 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the difference, yeah, and here's the difference. The difference is that when you die, let's say we were, we just, we died. The shell, of course, is gone, but my soul and my spirit live on. And so my soul and my spirit go to be with the Lord. Where the Lord is, there my soul and spirit is. But we are, we are in spirit form. In other words, when you're, if your loved one has died in Christ, they are in spirit form with the Lord. They do not have their glorified body yet. That's why Paul said, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And he says that's when a mortality must take on immortality and corruption must uh, take on incorruption. And somehow it's a mystery. I, I'm just telling you, I don't know. People who were buried out at sea are suddenly going to go out of the water. Uh, people who had their ashes scattered to the four winds, somehow it's all going to come together. He says I'm, it's a mystery. And it will be, but we will, at that moment, receive our glorified bodies, all right? So when you die, you don't automatically get a glorified body. Your spirit and soul are with the Lord, and then when the rapture takes place, that's when glorified bodies are handed out. So let me go back here. Yes, Robert. Yes. No, no, when he's loosed at this time, it ain't go, it, 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 he's dunked. I mean, this is not going to be, I can't imagine this being a couple week time period at the most. But you've got to understand, uh, Robert, in all likelihood, you're, you're, you're ruling and reigning over something else here. I mean, it, you're impervious to this. You have, you're in a you're glorified state. I mean, you're, exactly. I mean, now these folks that are still in human form, they're the ones that are at peril. Because they could potentially be deceived. Yes, Maria or Wally, I saw you both your hands. So. Right. Right, just because you're, right, just because they're under his, see, see, we assume that because we're under his reign, that, that they're automatically compelled to yield to that reign. Now, they're compelled in as much as that, that, that the saints control all that's taking place on the earth. You understand, we are, we, we think like Christ, we function like Christ. There, you know, you can't have two, you know, right now you can have two Christians that see things sort of different. That's not going to be the problem here. So you understand your rulership is consistent. And, and everybody yields to it. There's no choice but to yield to that rulership. Now, we assume that because it would be righteous rule, everybody would go, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of this. But that's not the case. That there will be people who may go through the motions and, and, you know, and they'll do what they have to do, but that doesn't mean the heart's been changed. Yeah, Wally. <laughs> okay. No, you're, you're in your glorified state. 
I'm not talking, hey, keep the saints. The saints that are already in heaven, just keep them out of it. We're talking about these guys. These guys that are coming out of this time period, human beings, you are no longer a human being. Well, we'll talk, no, it's not for us. It's certainly not for those that have been taken out of the rapture. Now, the, you know, the, most people will say it's primarily for the wicked dead. And, and, but the question is, what, I, I, no one's ever answered very well for me, what do you do with the people who, who have gone through this time period and, and because they still open the books and they're still checking the books, but this will be primarily for the wicked dead. All right? It's not for, certainly not for anybody uh, who's, who's returned with Christ. It's for none of You've already, you've already been here at the judgment seat of Christ. It's all, that's, yeah, that's all done. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to, I, hang on, hang on. Let me take one here, Bobby, and I'll come right back to you. Excuse me. The, the ones who rule and reign? Well, well, they would certainly be, yeah, the sons of God. But, but I do think we have authority to be called the sons and the daughters of God now, too. But certainly... That would apply then. It would certainly apply then as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the answer to that question is yes, because Jesus was in a glorified body and walked among mortals, and that's exactly how we will be. No, 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 no. there's no procreation in that way. No, 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 no. No, there'll be no, no temptation won't exist as we've known it. Be, it it'll, that'll be different. The, now, the evil heart will still be there. Could... Could people be turned in selfish ways? Sure. But understand, there's rulership. There's righteous rulership that will, that will judge in these regards. And righteousness will always prevail. But it's not going to be... Now again, I said it's idyllic, but not utopic. Now, do you understand the difference? It's going to be an incredibly peaceful, prosperous, wonderful time. But it's not quite like heaven yet. Because every, there's still people with carnal hearts that are still operating. All right, did I see one more and then I'm going to close it because I'm batting, I'm batting pretty good so far. All right, then I'm closing it. The door's closed. <laughs> we didn't stump the pastor tonight. <laughs> Amen. All right, stand with me and we'll pray and we'll cut you loose. Amen. Well, Lord... Exciting days are ahead. And I just want to pray right now. I want to pray that, pray that you just prepare our hearts even now, Lord, for next Wednesday. Lord, I, I just believe there can be an anointing that you can drop on us. To have just an unusual compassion, an unusual mercy that can rise up in us even as even as we prepare to talk about probably a distasteful subject like Gehenna. But Lord, you can do that. It's, it's still real. Avoiding it doesn't change it. 
So I pray, Lord, even now that you just begin to prepare our hearts in that regard. Lord, help us as your children to walk in victory. Help us to be more diligent in those divine moments of, well, I just, I just believe providential evangelism or witnessing or sharing. Lord, we can talk about all of these things and it's useless and meaningless unless we can somehow look neighbors and friends and family on those occasions in the eye and say, listen, I, I believe you need to know the Lord. Help us, Lord, in that regard. Don't let us just be hearers, but let us be doers. Let us be profitable in the field. Keep your folks safe, I pray. Lord, speak to them mightily. Use them greatly. And I just believe, Lord, it's going to be a fantastic week because of you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. You're released.